Today, we're talking with Shreya Prakash, co-founder and CEO of Flexibees, an organization focused on connecting businesses with underutilized talent pools by enabling flexible working arrangements that serve both parties. Shreya had a lot to share with us about her journey, from lessons and leadership learned in sales to the importance of finding the right partners and making your own rules. I hope you'll find something here to support you on your journey as Shreya shares what she would tell herself from where she is today. Welcome to I'd Tell Myself, where we dive into the individual journeys people have taken to professional success and share some of the lessons that they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Danielle Frankel. I've long believed that there are many ways to learn the important lessons in life. And while some lessons are only gained through personal experience, others can be learned less painfully from those ahead of us on their own journey. I hope you'll find something here to support you as we ask these individuals what they tell themselves from where they now sit. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. Hi there. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. Like always, we'll get started with just a few fast facts so people know who is uh, sharing the mic with me today. Um, Why don't you tell us your name and um, your business and what you do exactly? Uh, thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me on your podcast. My name is Shreya Prakash, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of FlexiBees. Uh, that's the company that uh, we founded a few years back, and, and I co-founded with two of my batchmates from B School. And it's a platform uh, that helps uh, women professionals return to work after a career break. Across the world, we see that women often, you know, end up shouldering a huge part of the responsibility of, uh, you know, caregiving. And consequently, there is a bit of a break that many women end up taking, no matter how qualified uh, they are professionally. That break does impede their, uh, you know, future career prospects, unfortunately, even though it shouldn't. And we started this company to help them return to work or to, in fact, eliminate the very notion of the break itself, if that's what they choose, through flexible opportunities. You know, we believe that flexibility at the workplace is a game changer for all people, for anybody across genders. And we especially think the way the world is today, women uh, can benefit immensely from it because it helps them uh, be able to balance all their responsibilities and do it exceedingly well. So we we bring uh, to our women professionals opportunities that are flexible in nature, which could be uh, you know fewer hours, flexi time, part time, remote, uh, you know project based. And uh, what what we started out um, you know with with the very strong intent to do was to bring opportunities that were in line with the past experience or uh, you know the qualifications of these women. Uh, so that it could help them build their careers, be it in a flexible way. But it should be something that would help them, uh, you know, be able to show it on their resume and help them get back full time if they so chose or, you know, if they so chose to build it flexibly, be able to, uh, you know, showcase themselves in the best possible light. So we bring resource opportunities and we match the roles to the women professionals and with the skills that they have and several other factors. And, uh, you know, that's how we are enabling more and more women to um, be able to join the workforce after a career break or to not exit in the first place. 
That's great. And yeah, you know, certainly a global issue. Um, just so I understand clearly the, the women that find work through you, if somebody takes work, it's not that you found them a contract and they've gone to work for a different employer, but rather that you're sort of the consulting umbrella and these women uh, pick up um, projects or contracts or clients through your organization, but remain employed mm-hmm. by Flexibees. Is that right? Um, yes. So they are, you know, they're uh, on contracted via us. Yes. And they work with the companies who come to us uh, for for these kinds of, for this kind of talent. Uh, so that's how it works. And uh, yeah, so basically we also realized that for businesses, it's it's very uh, beneficial to have a pool of uh, you know expertise that they can tap into as per their needs. We in fact talk to a lot of smaller businesses, a lot of startups, uh, SMEs. Those are our core audience uh, because we were very clear from the beginning that we wanted this to be more than just a diversity conversation. Um, diversity is great, and I think it has helped in opening people's minds up about the power of the female workforce that, you know, so often is, uh, you know, outside of the traditional full-time workforce. And and actually, to your listeners who may be across geographies, I do want to say that, um, you know, the problem though exists everywhere in the world, it varies in degree. So India, where I am from, the problem is acute of women professionals dropping out of the workforce. Um, and, and and we have around, say, 20, in the early 20s, that's the workforce participation for women as opposed to, say, you know, 70% odd uh, for, for men. So just to give a point of reference, the difference is huge, right? And uh, which is why it felt imperative for us to solve it, given, you know, the part of the world that we come from. And that's why, uh, you know, the, we saw that the needle wasn't moving, just talking about diversity, uh, even though it had, it had and it, it has its place. So we wanted uh, to find a model that helped businesses, you know, in, in every tangible way as well. So that while doing good, they also did well for themselves. And which is where the flexibility comes in. Because a lot of these smaller businesses, a lot of the start- startups, in fact, of which we are one as well. Um, and so we can really speak to it even as a beneficiary ourselves. Is that, yeah, you know, the ability to be able to hire somebody who's really experienced um, who has the right skills, uh, but be able to hire them in a way that's more affordable because of the flexible models. Uh, be able to hire them not necessarily, you know, from your you know ten kilometer radius where there'll be several companies, you know, vying for the same pool of talent. But you know, expand your net. Be you know, hire somebody professional, somebody who can fit in your team from anywhere in the world. In fact, use that flexibility as a currency to get the best people on your team, even if you're a small business and cannot afford, uh, say, to pay the you know the top buck. So uh, these are and 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 of course the uh, the on demand nature of this pool because these are professionals, women professionals who are not working in full time jobs. So you, um, you know, as a startup, you don't have to wait for you know three month long notice periods to play out. Um, and, and, you know, all of those kinds of negotiation. If you see an opportunity, you can hire somebody within a couple of weeks uh, and see how that plays out because we do, as small businesses, operate in a very dynamic environment. So in all of these ways, it really helps businesses as well. And that's really what we, uh, you know, innovated on. We found a way to be able to make it extremely beneficial for businesses as well as a way that would work for women 
um, and, and do that match really well. So that's what we as a platform bring to the table. We bring our matching technology. Uh, we do that extremely well. And yes, that's that's where we are. So we've given talent now to more than 700 businesses from across the world. Um, yeah, and we have a 50,000, uh, you know, 60,000 pool of women professionals with us across the board, across functions. Uh, and once a startup starts hiring from us, they go, you know, and then they grow with us. They hire for one role and they keep hiring as they grow and we grow together. So yes, that's FlexiBees. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, <clears throat> so I have several questions about how you got there. But before I dive into that, one last question about the business itself, just so I can sort of think clearly about it. Um, can you give me an example of like the different types of services that you mm -hmm. guys offer? Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's across roles, like I said. So we give talent. So the company may come to us to hire, say, for a sales professional, for example. And we would uh, understand what kind of sales professional they need. And we would then match it to the people that we have in our DB, in our database. And, you know, we would do our own vetting through technology. All of it now is almost, a lot of it is automated. And we have some key elements of human uh, that we think is very crucial to get the match really right. Um, and And then... You know, we we give them, uh, you know, they interview and and it starts the the arrangement uh, can start. Um, and and equally, then the business can come uh and hire. You know, once they have the salesperson, they want to generate more leads, so they may want to hire digital a digital marketing professional from us and a social media professional. And then uh, when the team starts becoming a little bigger, then they want to hire somebody in finance or somebody in HR. Uh, so we actually are able to give talent across roles because our our vision is to be able to help women across across roles across sectors, um, you know, and help them find flexi careers. And we see that you know there are that's where our niche or our market of in fact it's not it's not a niche market at all. It's a huge market. Startups and SMEs. It's it's a huge market. There are three and a half million plus. Uh, startups in the world at last count so it's a huge market but it really works well for us because uh, they they need talent across the board so um, sales digital marketing content design finance hr technology all of these are uh, functions that we are able to uh, you know give wow okay so you really are across the board on a whole bunch of different things that's great so um I'd love to know, I mean, it, it's an amazing sort of vision and you've outlined all the great business reasons for it and all the great human personal aspects for um, why this makes sense. You know, I'm I'm a mom of a young child as well. And so I, I get what you're up to and I, I appreciate it from a mom's perspective as well. Um, I, I'm curious though, is this, you know, you mentioned B-School and um, your co-founders. Is this always what you wanted to do? Did you always want to be an entrepreneur, even as a kid and start your own business? Sort of how did you, what did your path look like to get here? Uh, yeah, it, it was quite a meandering path, as you would say. So I have not always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think, uh, you know, the term entrepreneurship itself is a very recent one into the cultural vocabulary of, uh, you know, say, the world but perhaps you know not so much in in the u.s given silicon valley but maybe in india uh you know a lot of the hubs that you see in india is now a huge startup hub and we are in fact uh, very present in in asia as well 
in Singapore and in surrounding countries. These are all upcoming. Maybe in our lifetimes, we have seen that people have become far more open to entrepreneurship as an idea than they were earlier. Uh, so certainly as a child, uh, as a kid, that was not my, you know, my 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 career dream. Uh, but yes, uh, I think uh, in, in B school, um, I, I did at some point decide to go the business route um, after having done engineering. Uh, that's a very common route that a lot of, uh, you know, people in India follow. They do engineering. Uh, I was always good at science. So engineering happened and I enjoyed it. And, and then I worked for a couple of years and I realized that I wanted to broaden my, my scope a little bit and I didn't want to get you know, too technical. So then I went for a business degree. Uh, so definitely the idea was to do, uh, was to work in, in a management role. And I worked with Unilever for around eight years. In fact, after graduating from B school and my co-founders who were my friends from B school at that time, they were also working at various places. Um, one of my co-founders, Rashmi, she was with PNG. Um, and she was in Singapore and my other co-founder Deepa, she was a management consultant and she worked with KPMG and a couple of places. Uh, it was actually Deepa who took a career break. So um, Deepa is, you know, she's one of those very, she's very qualified, very talented, ambitious. She's a CA, rank holder, and then, you know, of course, worked at a few places, Did got a business degree, then again had had a great career going for her. Uh, but had to take a career break of a couple of years because her, her mother was terminal at that time and she also had a child, a uh, young child. So it was a bit much. She took a break and, uh, you know, we, we were around at that time. We knew what was happening while we were in our own jobs. And then after a couple of years, she wanted to return um, and she wanted a little bit of flexibility, but it was just non-existent. It, it, there was nothing available that could uh, justify her past experiences or help her grow her career along with being able to say work remotely or you know work for fewer hours and of course we knew the women's participation numbers at that time we had um, you know as as women ourselves in the workplace we were also becoming more aware of how difficult uh, some of these things are to to you know there are milestones in your life which should be occasion for great joy and they indeed are but to be able to balance that and work it, it uh, becomes very difficult and there are you know there is this quote right that women are expected to work as if they have they don't have a family and expected to uh you know raise a family as if they don't work um and we saw some of those things play out you know even though the organizations that we worked for are very policy forward but the mindsets of people are you know are yet to change so when a woman returns from maternity break there is always a little bit of hesitation in you know giving her the most cutting edge projects or there is an assumption that she won't be able to handle it and and some of those kinds of things that you know there there was i think pre covid there was that culture maybe across workplaces across the world uh, that you know you have to be in office to be able to work and in the knowledge economy that we are in today where all of us are connected there really shouldn't be that expectation women you know, and mothers and young mothers, they are super women. They shouldn't have to be, but they literally are because they are uh, you know, coming into office earlier than everybody else. They are doing work extremely productively and then they're leaving at some point, you know, before everybody else going back, you know, taking their kids up, going, you know, putting them to bed, then getting, you know, logging back in 
and doing all of this and to hear that you left office at five. So you, I, I don't know if you've clocked in enough hours. So there, there is a little bit of that. There was that button seat face time kind of, you know, culture, which COVID to a large extent has helped dismantle because everybody has now worked remotely. But yeah, the point being that we saw around us that there were these challenges that women professionals faced and we were having that awareness, um, you know, a growing sense of awareness that this was a problem that, you know, has, hasn't been fixed. Uh, and in fact, it's, a, it's at a crisis in India. So we decided to put our energies behind this problem. And uh, the two of us, Rashmi and I, we left our jobs and uh, we founded Flexibees. And that's how here we are. That's great. And it's such an, an interesting combination of, you know, backgrounds for the three of you to, to be bringing together to create this, this model that you have now. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about your engineering days and the work that you did at Unilever? And, you know, you said it was a, a meandering path. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about what some of that yeah. meandering looked like. <laughs> Yeah, so when I actually think back to my own life and see, you know, as a child, what I wanted to do, I always wanted to be, say, a writer. Um, you know, I've, I've been writing since I was very young. Um, and somehow I think very very naturally, those are my skills and that's my interest to do. Because a writer has a very different set of interests. I mean, you are in, how, in the business of seeing how different professions originate in our own you know, inclinations and personalities, right? So I think uh, very naturally, so my personality is that of an observer and somebody who expresses through writing. Uh, but my training entirely has been in, uh, in say, in left brain thinking, in, you know, ration, rational thought and logic, which I did very well at it. And, you know, school was about that. I did well at science. Uh, my father was an engineer uh, and he was my role model. And so uh, when time came to select, say, a vocation, I naturally selected science. And it, it was, uh, you know, the vocation that promised a job very, very obviously. And uh, it was something that I definitely, you know, unconsciously or subconsciously wanted. I wanted to work even though it wasn't something that I had articulated as a, you know, 13, 14 year old to myself. So I chose engineering, I did uh, engineering, and I had a lot of fun. I loved it. Uh, I, I'm an electronics and telecom engineer. Um, then I worked for a couple of years. And then came time to again think about what I wanted to do. At that, that time, I had a little bit more maturity to think of, you know, sit in next, you know, 10 years, 15 years of my life. And I realized that I wanted to understand business. I wanted to understand how these companies work. And, and I was working at that time, but it was a very narrow focus. I wanted to understand more about how you acquire clients, how you make the PNL work, uh, you know, and those kind of things, which are very much in the management territory. Um, and then, yeah, then I wrote this exam that one has to write to get into, say, uh, the college that I did. Um, it's, it's actually a pretty good college. The exam and all is quite competitive for it. So I prepped a little bit, I prepared for it, and then, you know, I wrote it and it went well. And then that's where actually I had a very productive two years of post-graduation. My business degree was really productive because I met my husband there and I met my two co-founders there. So whether or not I learned anything else, <laughs> I did meet the right people who I would be with the next, you know, the rest of my life. Networking. <laughs> that's what they say, right? Yeah. Networking. Yeah, it was peak networking for me. So <laughs> that worked out very well. And then uh, then I went uh, and I, I worked with Unilever 
So I was in sales and marketing. Marketing was something that I really enjoyed in college. And I think I, I have, you know, now again, we are also in the business of jobs. So we understand well, uh, you know, personalities that fit certain jobs and which don't. And I think sales is something that is very much a personality type rather than a skill. And I now in hindsight, think I, I did manage to train myself into having the sales personality somehow or the other. Because you wouldn't associate a writer type with somebody who can do sales and marketing, but somehow it happened. And uh, yeah, so I was in sales and marketing at Unilever. I did sales uh, for the first three years. I was an area sales manager for rural Maharashtra. And it was amazing. I loved it. All my leadership lessons or most of my leadership lessons to the extent that uh, today I have uh, imbibed and, you know, the, the learning of how to lead teams, uh, how to keep your chin up even when times are tough. Uh, all of those have come from my careers of uh, leading that team of around 50 people, you know, that, that I was. And um, after that, I I went to marketing. So this is part of a program that Unilever has where you can do, you know, you can do this rotation, you can do sales first, and then you do marketing. Um, and I went into marketing then and I was working with skincare. Um, and, you know, I was a brand manager. So it was great. I was loving my job. The day-to-day -day of it was amazing. Uh, but um, I think around that time, I was also starting to think more about what I want the next 50 years to look like. Uh, you know, I, I love what I do on, on, on an everyday basis. But, you know, 50 years down the line, when I look back, would I have done something meaningful and important? Uh, you know, entrepreneurs have this delusion of thinking that they can change the world in some way. They go small and, you know, I think I... Uh, I was afflicted by that same delusion at that time that you know maybe I I can try to make something more of my life, and uh, you know uh, fortunately at that time things fell into place in the sense that we found the problem that we felt passionately about, which is very important I feel for entrepreneurship because it's such a tough journey that uh, you know if you don't really care about the problem that you are trying to solve, uh, it can get uh, difficult. Uh, and I found partners, again, for the same reason that it's a very tough journey. And if you have people uh, to share it with, um, it, it's, it becomes much lighter and much easier. So all of these things fell into place. Uh, my husband was working, so there was not uh, that question of who's going to keep the kitchen fires, uh, you know, lit. So that's also uh, a great privilege. And uh, yeah, all of these things came together. And that's that's my journey. That's amazing. Um, I, I love some of the lessons that you're already sharing about, you know, finding a problem that actually matters to you because entrepreneurship is a hard thing to do with the absence of like actually caring about what you're doing and having partners. How do you think that has um, shaped your journey, being able to do this with with other people instead of on your own? Oh, it's uh, I think it's uh, it's instrumental. It's been instrumental to us, uh, you know, reaching where we have reached. Um, you know, without uh, losing our minds completely. I mean, there are solo entrepreneurs, of course, and I can only admire them because it's it's so tough. Uh, one of the toughest things uh, that I think, um, you know, is part of entrepreneurship is to be able to manage your mental health uh, because, uh, you know, that's entrepreneurship is an uncertain path. Uh, you know, at any point in time, you you can only predict 
what would happen, say, for the next, you know, if you are in a good place, then what would happen for the next one year? Um, you know, and if you're not, then you don't even know what will happen in the next one month. So it's it's uncertain. You have to live with that uncertainty. Um, you have to keep uh, yourself, you know, very hopeful. So it's like a very strange sort of place to be in where you, you actually do, you know, sort of plan for the worst, but you hope for the best. Um, and, and that's the face. You put your game face on every morning when you're talking uh, to your team, to your, you know, to every every stakeholder, um, you know, and, and you believe that, yes, what I'm building is going to work. But at the same time, you do have a plan B and a plan C. If this if it doesn't work in this way, then how am I going to make it work in some other way for your business, right? So um, it, it's a strange sort of mental seesaw of emotions that you are trying to kind of navigate at all times, this uncertainty and all of that. So I think that to have somebody who's going through the same thing, who has, uh, who has, uh, you know, all of the same stakes that you have, who understands uh, exactly what it is uh, to be on this path, this very, you know, it's it's like I said, it's instrumental, it's crucial. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we, you know, we we are able to let our guard down and talk very openly with each other because we, the three of us, understand each other extremely well. And that is invaluable. So I would say that, yeah, having a partner on this journey helps you uh, really keep your mental health, uh, you know, in place. And apart from that, of course, there is the fact that you are overextended as an entrepreneur because you have a small team. You're doing everything at the beginning. And if that, you know, that what the variety of jobs that you need to do, if they are able to be, uh, if you're able to split them amongst, you know, diff different people, especially people with different skills and different ways of thinking, then, you know, that's again something that uh, any business benefits from and you as an individual benefit from as well. Um, so the three of us have very different ways of working. Uh, the three of us in the co founding team, we have different skills. We bring different attitudes and different personalities to work. And uh, in fact, uh, it's it's that's been a very strong sort of, uh, you know, say it's, it's contributed a lot to my personal growth, I feel, to have, to, have to, to be in a place where I'm working so closely with people who are very unlike me also in ways. Uh, you know, when you're working in a company, you always have hierarchies and you have set ways of, you know, making those kinds of relationships work. Um, and with, with, you don't have people who are, you know, co-project leads on a project together. That that typically doesn't happen. Uh, you know, you're leading your own project and you have a, you know, boss and you have a subordinate of people who are working with you and team members who are, you know, bringing maybe different kind of functional skills, but not the, not the same thing that you are. But in this, you know, the three of us working together, uh, there are no rules. We have to make our own, we made our own rules. There are no hierarchies. We, you know, the three of us, uh, you know, have to learn how to, uh, you know, three opinionated, you know, women who have experience before, uh, who've led teams and businesses have to make space for each other and different ways of working. Uh, you know, so that's been a great, I think, uh, professional, personal learning for me. Uh, and I think very, very helpful to our business also to have benefited from these perspectives. Yeah, that's wonderful. I um, I so I've worked on my own for the last few years, and I definitely get what you're pointing to in terms of it. It's being an entrepreneur alone is it's a lonely thing to do, right? And yeah. you no, know, 
on my end, I've sought out community in other ways with other entrepreneurs who were doing their own thing, because at least that way we can sort of um, yeah. support each other and lean on each other. They can't yeah. do my work for me, but at least it's not such yeah. a, a lonely experience. Um, but yes. being able to 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 do that with um, other, it sounds like other values aligned people who have very different skill sets to contribute Right, yeah. it made for a really wonderful mix for you guys. Yeah. And also, I imagine some really interesting challenges as you talk about figuring out what your rules are and how you have to work together. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I'm wondering if you can share um, an experience that you guys have had perhaps where, not necessarily where somebody made a mistake, but but something that has that ended up being sort of a pivotal learning experience for you where if you hadn't come together in the way that you did, your business wouldn't wouldn't be where it is now. Yeah, um, I think we've had uh, we've had you know a few of those learnings at the beginning of our uh, you know our journey, which were pivotal. So we actually you know the three of us are we rely on uh, you know learning from others also quite a bit. So we started reading books you know before we started to understand a little bit of you know how to go about it um, and to marry our own instinct with what you know, other people had done successfully. And one of the books that we learned was The Lean Approach or The Lean, it's, it's a book by Eric Ries. Um, and it's uh, it's called The Lean Business Model or The Lean Approach. I'll, I'll look it up and we can, we can link it. But it's a great book for entrepreneurs. I highly recommend it because it talks about how, uh, you know, we should build in a lean manner uh, when we are building any business. Uh, take build build a part of it which is called the MVP, uh, the minimal viable product. Take it to market, take the feedback, receive the feedback, and then try and build the next part of it because that's much truer to what the market will accept, and it it really will solve the problem that you're seeking to solve rather than you know sitting and creating, making building the entire palace and then taking it out on the road roads and realizing that none of it works. Right, so it's called the lean approach, um, the MVP approach, and we really resonated with it. We and a lot of small scrappy businesses will right because you don't even have the money to you know sort of launch one large scale something. You are trying to build in pieces and see what works, what doesn't work. Uh, so in the beginning, we had that approach, and uh, we actually had you know a bunch of failures in the beginning. So um, anybody in our space who's thinking of giving jobs to anyone or providing talent to anyone would think of creating, say, a, a you know, a, a, what is what a, a marketplace a sort of, you know, job board sort of situation, you know, platform where companies can come and, you know, put their JD down, the job description down, and there is, candidates can come and put their, uh, you know, resumes or upload their resumes. And there, there is some keyword matching that happens and, you know, then they are able to talk to each other. So that's a very basic sort of, uh, you know, sort of rudimentary explanation of how a job board may work. But essentially, it is this, the two parties come together, there is some keyword matching, which today, of course, is made very sophisticated using algorithms. But at the end of the day, it is keyword matching basis, the skills that are there in the job description and the skills that are there in the candidate's resume or their profile. And we did some version of that at the beginning. And we realized that it doesn't work for multiple reasons. We failed basically in our, you know, in, in the things that in our uh, matches at that time. It didn't work. Uh, and we realized that it doesn't work because our pool uh, is women returning to work. So apart from the skills that they have, 
there is also a very important factor which is their time availability uh, you know it's very important because it, it is a lot of a lot to do with that time availability their lives are to do with it and the fact that we are providing flexibility to organizations also makes time and availability a very important part of those calculations so we also have to figure out you know what is their time availability do they have the uh, the blocks of time that we are looking at and those kind of things so we that was one learning that we got from the, these failures that we had the other was that uh, many of these women are coming back after the career break and uh, there needs to be a little bit of say a brushing up or a you know sort of um for them to get a little more groomed when they approach an interview because many of them haven't really even done an interview in some time and they have the skills but you know with with women it often happens that they you know also underestimate themselves so they are not very confident of being able to you know go and crack an interview and uh, a little bit of say a uh, hand holding during uh, the process and before they actually go and meet a client goes a long way because it helps them brush up on the vocab vocabulary on their skills we come back in that mode of being able to you know talk about what they have done in the past some of those things and then the you know the thing was that this is not uh, full time hiring or permanent hiring we are talking about companies are coming to us because they need that uh, you know the talent immediately they need it so we have to get it first time right we don't have the luxury of doing multiple rounds and rounds and rounds and then somebody goes in and it works it doesn't work then we find a replacement and uh, you know that that shouldn't be the approach at all we have to find them the right person the very first time round so um a lot of these learnings pointed to the fact that we needed to do the vetting much more uh, say rigorously than what a lot of say job boards would do uh, and it formed the basis for us then to create that proprietary process and later technology like we did uh, which is our differentiator right now so of course all three of us to, at that time we you know we were unnerved by the failures we were uh, disheartened and then but then we always had that approach that it's not let's let's try this and see you know we tried something it didn't work let's try something else and see how that works uh, and my co-founder rashmi she's from a research background uh, so this is her day job test a hypothesis doesn't work you know figure out what the next hypothesis is see if it works create a some sort sort of small pilot or way in which we can test that hypothesis and talk results so i think we drew upon different aspects of our professional experience and expertise uh, to you know create uh, to learn from these failures and to create what then became the core of flexibis that's so interesting to hear how your different backgrounds and your different perspectives it sounds like really allowed you to work through the early failures whereas mm -hmm. had you been on your own or had any different partners right who knows what would have happened but um you know the way that you guys work together through those challenges has allowed you to get to where you are now yeah That's amazing you mentioned a few minutes ago um sort of the role that you had at Unilever and how you had a fairly large team. And I imagine your co-founders also, given where they were working, had similar experiences. I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, how you learned to manage such a large group of people, how that applies to the work that you're doing now, what your sort of leadership, you know, how you learn to lead large groups of people. Um, I'm of the philosophy that we, we manage work and we lead people. And so I'm always mm -hmm. curious about how people get 
uh, either get training around doing those things or don't get training and do the on the on the job type of learning um, that so many mm-hmm. so many people are right. doing. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's an interesting on the job versus the training bit. Um, yeah, so for me in sales, of course, you end up having large teams. When I went to the brand role, my team wasn't that large. But like I said, the sales experience was extremely enriching. And I think, um, you know, it, it, I made some mistakes there in the beginning in the actions I took. And those are very now, you know, entrenched in my uh, in, in my approach towards leadership. But mistakes notwithstanding, I think from the very beginning, I had the sense that, you know, as a leader, I'm here to help my people. That's my role. Uh, because they, you know, the team that I had, they were, you know, professionals through and through. They were very, you know, the veteran sales professionals who've been working in that geography, which I went to lead for years now. And they have great relationships with their distributors and dealers. So FMCG company have distributors, dealers of trade and wholesalers and retailers and things like that. And they have great relationships and they uh, understand their geographies really well. They're the sales personality incarnate. So I really don't need to uh, teach them sales. And I, I don't know it well enough, in fact, to teach them any of that. But my role is uh, really to um, be able to remove any obstacles in their path, uh, to be able to um, you know show them the larger picture, to be able to motivate them when things are you know, doing badly, which things will inevitably. I did that role for around three and a half, four years. And there were periods that were extremely bad for us as well. And, you know, we show them that larger picture, being able to guide them in the right way with the knowledge that I have, which they may not be even, um, you know, they may not be uh, having because, you know, of the fact that I'm able to talk to, say, the management in the company and I know what is going to come and, you know, how people are thinking about a certain product or a certain year. So a lot of those kind of uh, things, which I, uh, you know, consider in my role as a sales leader in particular, that is how I see myself. What I do and I do believe is to pick the right people who enjoy sales, uh, you know, who are, who love. So again, I'm talking about myself as a sales leader who, uh, who love the kick of achieving a target. It's not something that everybody is able to do, uh, you know, achieving a target or having a target hanging over your head can be very overwhelming for somebody who's not used to that. Uh, but salespeople thrive on it. They love it. They love the idea that there's a target and you have to achieve it and there's a number and, you know, there is a tracker and a lot of the trappings that come with being in sales. So you pick the right people, pick people who are resilient, who can face rejection, but think of, you know, 10 ways in which to be to get back, uh, who live to fight another day. Uh, so a lot of these are very core sales uh, traits. And um, as a sales leader, I would pick the right people and then leave them to do their job and make sure that I'm able to motivate them, guide them, remove any obstacles from their path. And that, to some extent, is my core leadership style. But of course, I mean, as you know, as business owners, you know, there is a lot more. We also look at, uh, you know, how where we should take our company, what should we stand for, a lot of those aspects of leadership as well. Very conscious thinking of where we want to take the company and how we want to grow the company. Do we want to be bootstrapped? Do we want to raise funding? A lot of those things. But I think at the heart of it, I believe in people. I believe in hiring the right people and letting them do the job that you've hired them to do 
making their lives easy. We in our company today are a completely flexi-friendly company. We all work remotely and all of our uh, team members are women. Many of them are returning to work after a career break. Uh, many of them work part-time as well. Um, and because they're young mothers or they have other responsibilities. Uh, and today, increasingly, we are seeing that people also want, uh, you know, more balance in their lives to pursue hobbies and passions. That's also happening. So um, people choose the kind of, you know, life they want to create around work. Uh, and we we bluff that, you know, that evolution in the way that uh, in what work is in their lives today. We hire a lot of those people. And uh, as a company, we believe in trusting people. So we are not that company who would ever say that I want to know exactly how many hours you worked. I want to know exactly at what time you logged in or what time you're going to log out. We hire the right people. We trust them. We give them an environment in which they can do their best work. And we track output. We discuss output. Uh, so those are some of the ways in which we are building our company. That's great. It's interesting to see how um, some of the things that you experienced and learned in those earlier sales leadership roles sort of yeah. translate into the work that you're doing now. Yeah. 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 Great. Well, um, I, I always want to ask before we you know, wrap up our conversations, you've shared a lot of really interesting I mean, this is a really interesting story and you've shared a lot of really interesting lessons along the way. Um, if you could go back and tell an earlier version of yourself, anything, any good advice that you would share, what would it be? I think, um, you know, I'm pretty happy with the way my life has turned out, which doesn't mean that everything is going smooth. Entrepreneurship, of course, is a roller coaster. But uh, I feel like I have made the choices that work for me and, uh, you know, it's down to marrying the kind of partner who supports me in everything that I do. I mean, that that's a very critical life choice for, uh, you know, anybody, for a woman especially, uh, who's, who's chasing ambition. So I feel like I've, uh, whether intentionally or accidentally, ended up making the right choices. So I don't know if I would say... Uh, I mean, my life wouldn't be mine, right, if it was any other way. And I think that's the basis of your podcast. I mean, meandering, that are, you know, sort of meanderings give us you know, the skills and give us the richness of what we bring then to eventually our work or our lives. So, yeah, I don't think um, I would change anything about uh, how my journey is uh, been. Actually, I can't think of a single thing. I can't think of a single thing that I would, I, I would just maybe tell myself that it, it'll be fine. I mean, or at any point in time when I, I did, of course, at point felt feel anxious about how things would turn out. I would just tell myself that it's fine. And I tell myself that now also, because, uh, you know, you are in the trenches, you are in the thick of life. And uh, it could seem that, uh, you know, the things are the way that you plan them to be. Uh, but again, this is one learning that I have from the two, three years of COVID that the world has gone through, that no matter how bad things are, they can always get worse. So, uh... <laughs> Ooh, ray of sunshine, ray of sunshine. Yes, yes, I guess we all took some interesting learnings from that window, huh? Yes, yes. I, I always, uh, you know, look at the, it helps me look at the bright side, count my blessings 
And so to my younger self and to myself today, I would say the same thing. That things will be fine, uh, you know, as long as you're doing them for the right reasons. Love that. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been lovely to learn a bit about you and your organization and your team. And um, I wish you guys the best of luck. I hope that, that everything continues to work and grow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Daniel. It's lovely. And to, and to you too. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show and found something to support you where.